It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Gamecock fans, hello. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Another edition of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily. Uh, glad to be with you today here on Wednesday, July 15th. I always like to say the date because a lot of times people go back. I know if you're like me, I, I go back and listen to old podcasts and you know, sometimes I'll, I'll catch something, uh, like if I'm in my car or, or something, and I realize that it's a couple of weeks old. <laughs> so uh, got to give the time and date stamp in there for you. Um, lots going on. Greg Sankey on OutKick this morning, uh, a little bit more positive than maybe his appearance on Fine Bomb. Um, I think his appearance on Fine Bomb the other day was uh, the result of a long meeting um, and probably – uh, intentionally intended to get people to wear masks uh, and do what they can, do their part uh, to get some of these numbers down across the South so we can have football, all that good stuff. Once again, a mask is not a political issue to me um, and shouldn't be to anybody else. It's just common sense. Uh, I know that there's 15 different studies that say 15 different things about it. Uh, but I do think if you, if you look at some countries uh, that where they've worn masks in mass, like Japan, uh, Korea, uh, they've gotten their numbers down and, and returned to some semblance of life. I'm not saying that I'm 100% behind that being the cure-all, but I think that it's better to do it than not to do it. And uh, I know it doesn't look great. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's hot and humid. Um, but uh, to kind of get society back on track or, or to at least quiet some of the the fear mongering out there. I think that that's um, a wise thing to do. And I've been saying that for a while. I, I, I you know, I, I never understood the mask thing. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's just common sense and that's not something that should be politicized. That doesn't mean you're afraid of the virus. That doesn't mean that you're not afraid. I mean, it, it doesn't mean anything other than a hey, common sense, protect each other, all that kind of stuff. But I'm not going to get into that today. Um, uh, do, I do think that Sankey reporting that across the campuses of the Southeastern Conference that positive tests for athletes has dwindled down next to none. If you remember Ray Tanner at South Carolina went on the record a couple of weeks ago or last week and said they'd have very few positive tests. And here's the thing, and this this feeds into the fear-mongering a little bit. And, and again, the National College Football Media, you know, taking – selective data to, uh, I guess, propagate a narr- narrative. Um, and, and to their credit, I've seen some where there's been good news and they said, well, that's good news. There's no more testing. Well, yeah, I think a lot of the positive tests at Clemson and LSU, maybe even Ohio State to a certain extent, uh, which Ohio State paused workouts, but now they're resuming, um, were from guys that, I mean, you know, th- these guys weren't on campus. They weren't in the college football bubble, so to speak. They were all over the place in different towns, going out, going to the grocery store. You know, I know a couple of Carolina players, you know, had, a, had an Instagram where they were at Walmart without a mask on, one forgot their mask or whatever. And, you know, so these guys were out and about um, while the virus was spreading. And, and so, you know, 37 positives, well, that's, you know, that's a high number. Uh, I think that was the number up at Clemson. Well, now that's down to zero because if you think about it, it was just starting to spread in the upstate when Clemson kind of came back and everybody came back. You know, so so it stands to reason 
that they're going to be positive tests, especially when they come back. Nobody talked about that. You know, nobody talked about 37 positive tests, but they just got there, so they probably contacted it somewhere else because that doesn't feed the cancel college football narrative. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, can't, it doesn't, you know, if you're like, well, you know, they're safer on campus, no, nobody, you know, you can't say that because, oh God, then they could have a season and, oh, it's not safe. Oh, oh. Um, people act like that the, the virus was spreading through the weight room or something. And these colleges are smarter than that. I mean, they're not going to, you know, the, I would imagine the weight rooms and the workout facilities uh, are heavily sanitized daily, um, you know. And, uh, and so I think that's positive that we don't have a lot of positive tests among the student athletes on campus at the various SEC schools. What does that mean for the season? I don't know. Um, I tend to think that we are looking at a probably some sort of conference only design for the fall with limited fans or no fans where division games go off first. And, and, you know, they try to get something in where they can play the SEC, ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12 championship games. Um, Those are money makers. And obviously, um, that would give us some sense of normal. I, I think we may be looking at an expanded playoff. Uh, we can get into that probably, you know, on a later episode this week. Uh, I'm on with JB and Goldwater today, uh, starting at uh, one o'clock Eastern time. Uh, they stream that on YouTube. They stream it um, on Podbean. Uh, it's a show out of the Low Country. Uh, and they do a great job. They, lots of Gamecock talk there, and I'm usually on for a while. So if you want to check that out, be sure to check that out. We're going to be talking about different college football playoff scenarios. You know, is it eight? Is it 16? Are they going to expand? Will they not? Um, and one thing I'll caution, if, if you ever see an interview with Bill Hancock, who's head of the college football playoff, do not expect Bill Hancock to ever say or tip his cap, and he's a great guy. Really nice person, good with the media, good with uh, people. Don't ever expect him to say that something's going to happen until it's going to happen because he was also in charge of the BCS. And he could, you know, the playoff was obviously coming. And he continued to say, We're happy with our model. We're happy with our model. We're happy with our model. So, you know, he's going to say, Oh, we're happy with four. We're happy with four until it's not, you know. So. If you see a quote from him, just uh, you know, nothing against him. He's not he's not lying. He just you know that that's his standard protocol. Uh, Bill Hancock, the head of the college football playoff. So you know we're going to kick that around on JB and Goldwater today, um, and so we'll talk about that then. So I, I continue to think we're looking at some sort of conference only deal, um, and how that exactly looks, I don't know. Um, I think 50-50, they're going to have some sort of ACC-SEC alliance, which will allow the Clemson game to be played, uh, Georgia-Georgia Tech, Florida-Florida State, Louisville-Kentucky. Um, and it'll probably keep Auburn and North Carolina and Mississippi State-NC State uh, afloat as well. Um, and you may see some more ACC-SEC matchups. Uh, you know, maybe Alabama plays Miami or Alabama plays Pitt or something like that. I don't know. I don't know how exactly it will look, but um, that's my belief based on everybody I've talked to. Another programming note, uh, we have a JC and Morgan college football podcast with myself and Mike Morgan dropping later this afternoon, probably around four or five o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Mike and I are recording today. Mike, of course, works for ESPN. 
um, has a lot of connections with this. Uh, he's going to drop some serious knowledge, uh, so he says, <laughs> on the podcast. And usually when the morgue says he's going to drop some serious podcast knowledge, he does just that. So go to iTunes or Spotify uh, and subscribe to the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast. That way, it's, And it's free. You don't have to pay for any of it. Uh, you just go and, and you hit the button, and then it gives you a little notification whenever there's a new episode. We we during the summer we usually are about once every two weeks. During the season, once a week. Um, you know, certainly, you know, Mike Morgan uh, is a friend of mine and a great co-host, and a lot of people that have listened to that. If you like a broader perspective of college football, not just Gamecocks, um, check us out. Check us out because it's pretty good. All right, so I was thinking about the wide receiver core today. Um, this is the biggest question mark on the team, uh, I think, in terms of guys that have proven they can play at a high level. I think overall, you talk to anybody inside the program, they'll tell you without a doubt, this unit as a whole lacks speed. That's why they're looking for speed and athleticism um, in this class 2021. Um but, but I, I, I don't know that it's hopeless. And I think, uh, you know, Mike Bobo, lots of experience as an offensive coordinator, lots of experience, especially at Colorado State, with doing things to kind of fit the personnel he has, um, putting guys in different positions, uh, that type of thing. And so I, I think that, you know, all is not lost just because South Carolina doesn't have, you know, four burners uh, out there. Um running at wide receiver. Uh, they do have one uh, specifically uh, that, that I would consider a burner and I would consider him a burner, not only with, you know, the 40 time and all that, but you know, how he's played uh, during his career at South Carolina, that's Shai Smith. Now I thought as a sophomore in 2018, Shai Smith had a, had a really good year. Uh, he was really good as a freshman um, in 2017 as well. Um, I, I thought last year, did, did he, take a step back a little bit, maybe. Um, but he's still a big play guy. I mean, think about the first play of the game against Tennessee. I mean, he took it to the house. He housed it. Um, there were just some games where he disappeared. And I don't know if that's him and Helensky not being on the same page. I mean, think about the touchdown catch against Alabama in double coverage he made. Um, you know, I, I still go back to the 2018 Clemson game. Uh, and Debo Samuel certainly made his share of big plays in that one too. But, you know, Shai Smith caught everything, you know, in that contest. Uh, and, and so those types of performances on individual plays and in individual games, you know, they need him to do that like the whole time. Um, he's a senior. Uh, I thought – I've always thought he was extremely talented. Uh, he, he, the guy works. I mean, it's not like he's a guy that just kind of sits around and relies on talent. He works. Um, and he's got to have a big year for the Gamecocks. And he also needs to stay, he stay healthy. I mean, he he hasn't been really badly injured, you know, and out for an extended period of time. But he does get nicked up from time to time, and he'll miss a game here or there. So, Shai Smith is kind of the linchpin. And he is a guy that can take the top off of a defense and, you know, just a super talented player um, that needs to step up and be the number one guy. I mean, I think if we look at South Carolina – uh, at receiver over the years, you know, you, you, you've gone into seasons before going, well, you know, who's going to replace Sidney Rice? Well, it was Kenny McKinley. Well, who's going to replace Kenny McKinley? Well, it's Alshon Jeffrey. 
well, who's going to replace Alshon Jeffrey? Well, it's Bruce Ellington, Ace Sanders, and a little bit of Nick Jones <laughs> thrown in there. Well, who's going to replace those guys? Well, it's Pharaoh Cooper. Um, and then who's going to well, help? How about Pharaoh's gone? Oh, Debo Samuel. Uh, Debo's gone. Well, it's Brian Edwards. So somebody always steps up. And I would think that that guy this year would be Shy Smith. Um, now, he can't do it alone. But he can be your number one guy, number one target. Uh, and I think a guy that if South Carolina can get the running game going, obviously that helps with your vertical passing attack because you draw a lot of one-on-one coverage. And, you know, there's not a lot of guys that are going to be able to cover shy um, all the time. So that's my first point. Shy Smith has got to be uh, the guy he's capable of being, the guy that in flashes he's shown. He's got to do it more consistently. I, I don't know that – there's going to be this big jump he makes uh, in terms of who he is because, quite frankly, he, he is who he is. He's fast. He can catch. He's athletic. Um, runs good routes at times. Uh, doesn't have the drops that maybe some of the other receivers have had, the drop issues. He's dropped a few, don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that can step up. And I just think it's consistency. I think it's consistency, getting on the same page with with Ryan Helensky or whoever the quarterback will be uh, and making things happen. So that's that's my Shai Smith speech there. Thought he was the number one player in the state in 2017. Still feel that way. think it's played out that way. Or Trey was the, the guy that was number one. Um, but, you know, he needs to go out and have a great year for this passing game to, to really do much. All right, so after Shai, A.S., a dot S after shy boy, you know, it, it, it's, th- th- there's so many different potential options. Um, but there are a lot of guys that just quite frankly, haven't done it yet. And it's, and I think that's the, the unknown um, in college football. You want more knowns than unknowns when you're heading into a season. Uh, I'm going to start with Xavier Leggett, who I thought was a steal in recruiting late you know, Tennessee wanted him. Gamecocks got him. Um, I think he gets a little bit of a stigma because they were talking to him about gray shirting. But um, they ended up bringing him in. And at times last year, he looked good. At other times, he looked lost, had some drops, that type of thing. Well, the guy's like 215 pounds, and he runs 4-4. He's a big guy that can run. And so athletically – there's no reason why he can't make a big step. And I'll remind people, too, you know, sometimes at receiver, guys come in, they do what they do, and, and there's not a lot of development. But I'll also remind you that, you know, Pharaoh Cooper caught six passes as a true freshman. <laughs> and the next year he caught 69. Um, he had some guys in front of him or whatever, but, uh, you know, he, he kind of got better and ended up being an NFL guy. Um, you know, I, I think back through, you know, Debo Samuel obviously got better and better, um, but injuries kind of derailed him. Uh, you know, I, I think that this is a, a guy that Joe Cox, you know, will spend a lot of time with. Um, and on that point, Joe Cox, just as an aside, I think that it's positive that, that South Carolina's receivers have a new voice. Um, and I'm not saying Brian McClendon won't, out at Oregon – his guys will be dropping passes and stuff like that. I, I just think that, you know, confidence-wise, new direction-wise, 
mentally for a student athlete, and this is the, another good thing about why uh, it was good to change strength coaches, you know, you got a new voice in there, a new direction, you know, mentally it's like, okay, well, this is why we're going to be better. You know, because at some point when you're struggling, it's the same old leadership. And we've seen this with head coaching changes, quite frankly, guys lose faith, but then sometimes the new guy, you know, will will make that faith stronger, you know, and, and guys have more belief in what they're doing, that type of thing. I mean, you know, I think we can all, point to times over the years where just a little bit of faith and, um, you know, a new plan, a new direction has helped. I mean, 99 football season versus 2000, there weren't a lot of coaching changes, but Lou Holst, you know, said he turned the keys to the offense over to skip. And then that defense was healthy and improving under Charlie strong. Um, and they improved eight games. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that the 2005 Gamecocks roster wise had any business, going seven and five and actually contending for the East and Spurrier's first year, but they had belief, you know, um, and the Gamecocks had a lot of belief throughout the Spurrier era. I mean, you think 08 to 09, 08 was a bad, bad team um, that was lucky to be seven and six ended the season badly. 09, there's six new assistant coaches plus Craig Fitzgerald comes in from Harvard um, and revamps the strength program. Well, that 09 team, Although they were also seven and six and had an embarrassing ending against Connecticut, you know, that team beat a top five Ole Miss team at home. Uh, they took the Florida Gators, who were the mighty Gators at that time with Tebow, um, took them to the wire in a 24 14 game. Um, Steven Garcia came a long way that year. Uh, and then, of course, they beat Clemson, Clemson's Atlantic championship team 34 17 at home, started the streak. And then that set the table for the next year. Marcus Lattimore comes in, a lot of belief there. Um, and and that, that staff laid the groundwork for South Carolina to have its best stretch of football ever. So sometimes – my point with all this is with Joe Cox, sometimes a new voice helps. And, you know, coaching is about convincing guys that don't believe they can do something that they can do something fundamentally. I think I got that quote from Bobby Bentley. Um, but that's what it's, that's what that's what it's all about. And so, you know, I think these guys having a new coach is going to help. It's a new system, and they got to learn it and all that. And that's particularly true with Xavier Leggett because he's a new guy um, and uh, kind of a freshman. You know, I don't know how much time they spent getting him ready last year. Probably should have spent a little more time. But uh, you know, I, I think athletically, he's a big guy that can run. Or Trey Smith. Probably did not have the bounce back here. He would have hoped. He continued to be, I think, injured and, you know, not so good. But uh, he's back, and he's a guy in his fourth year that certainly has a lot of ability, you know, that he showed as a true freshman, 30, 30 catches, you know. And, and I think if they can get 30 catches out of Ortre Smith this year, that's a positive. I know that everybody's like Josh Van, uh, uh, he led the league in drops and, obviously got hurt so is he going to be healthy what's the deal there I don't, I don't know I, you know Josh Van to me is a guy that in practice and in and, and testing and things like that is extremely fast and athletic in the games even last year he improved his production I think 18 passes caught but just still didn't look full speed you know so I, I think he's a guy that you know when 
when the lights come on, he's got to just be Josh Van. Uh, and I don't know how much the, uh, you know, the injury is going to set him back or, or whatnot. He's got a red shirt year. Um, so who knows what will happen there. Um, to me, Jacari and Joyner, you know, and, and he's a guy that a lot of people sometimes forget about, sometimes discuss. I mean, the opinions in Gamecock land on Joyner are like all over the map. Um, here's the thing. Jacari and Joyner had a hurt hamstring last year. Um, on that hurt hamstring, there were times, and, and plus he kept getting shifted back and forth from receiver to quarterback, never got a chance to dig in at receiver. Um, but you think about this, I mean, a critical play in the Georgia game, which was the best game of the year, you know, he goes back there, pressure comes, he escapes and runs for a first down. Um, he's got some elusiveness and athleticism. Uh, I think that doing that as a receiver is a little different than, than carrying the ball from scrimmage, which is why I think I would have moved him to running back. <laughs> but uh, that's a different deal. Um, but as a receiver or a slot guy, you know, I, I think that the key is, is just, just how fast is he without the hamstring? Um, and my, my opinion on that in watching his high school tape and looking at him is fast enough. Um, is he going to be Debo Samuel, sub 4-4, blow you away speed? No. Is he going to be fast enough to where if he gets in the open field, you're not going to catch him? Yes. Um, and I think DeCarian Joyner, what you have to understand about him is he's a guy that's very driven and motivated and loves the game. Uh, I think he would have transferred out and gone and tried to play quarterback somewhere if if, if he didn't. Um, and so I think he'll start. I'm going to say three wide receiver set. The starters will be uh, Shy Smith, Xavier Leggett, and DeCarian Joyner. That's just my opinion. Don't hold me to it if it's somebody, if Ortray starts or Van starts or whoever. But that's my opinion on, on who will make the starts if there's three receivers uh, in the set. Uh, and I think you'll see Joyner do some some carries from scrimmage and some things like that as well. Um, Bobo's not a guy that uses a lot of wildcat, so I, I don't know if that would play into a factor or not. But uh, certainly if there is a wildcat, quarterback I think that the Karen Joyner would obviously be the guy so you know you kind of look at that guy so that that's kind of the I don't know I don't want to say the top echelon but um, those are kind of the guys I'm looking at right now um, as far as the, the potential sure things that you got to like mention first now this next group and I'm not going to mention everybody you know a guy like Chad Terrell has to you know, really kind of prove it, you know, I, I, I he may get in the mix, may not. I've just, you know, I, Tyquan Johnson is kind of down on that list too. You know, Tyquan Johnson's a mystery to me. I, I can't rule him out because, I mean, he, he just kind of got there late last year and, you know, who knows. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't know. I, Tyquan Johnson, Chad Terrell are kind of, mysteries <laughs> in my opinion so they're they're kind of not those two guys I'm not really going to discuss you know Trey Atkins is a walk-on that I thought last year when he got in played really well um so who knows who knows what'll happen you know new coach and all that all right so this next guy is a true freshman and I've got a true freshman pure receiver category um but Jaheim Bell 
Um, and, and I don't know how they're going to tra- cross train him, what they're going to do. If, if I were them, I would play him at receiver his first year because he's a natural. He's a guy that can make some things happen in the open field. Uh, I would at least give him a look there. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Maybe he's more of a split tight end type. Um, they need depth behind Muse at tight end, so maybe maybe that's the guy. Maybe he goes there. I don't know. I think Jaheim Bell is very valuable and could be a guy that as a true freshman, uh, even, even more so in my opinion than Rico Powers and Jakari Caldwell, that could step in uh, and make some things happen. So that's a wild card guy to me, Jaheim Bell. Um, wild card on campus, Ranricus Davis. We talk about Ranricus every year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he can't seem to stay healthy. When he's been healthy, he's been productive. The Outback Bowl, productive. I think as a true freshman, he made some things happen. The whole thing is staying staying healthy. And, and if he's healthy, he can, you know, Ranricus is, you know, fifth-year guy that can make some things happen. Um, so that's that's a big question mark. That's like a uh, who is it? The Riddler in Batman that has the question mark all over it. You know, so the Riddler. That's the Riddler guy. <laughs> um, and then you have the two true freshmen, Jakari Caldwell, out of Northwestern High School, taller, long striding guy. Drunk uh, some comparisons to Sidney Rice in terms of, and I don't think it's it's Sidney as a player because I, I, you know, I don't I don't know that Jakari can jump out the gym and. Uh, jump up like Sydney could. Maybe he can. Maybe he can't. I think it's kind of how he runs. You know, Sydney was sort of a long strider. Um, so I think that uh, that's kind of the where the similarities. They run the same way. Um, late bloomer, um, a guy that had a really big senior year, moved to four stars per twenty four seven sports. You know, in state receivers, they they end up panning out. So maybe this guy can make some things happen. Um, Rico Powers is another guy. Now Rico was at Benedictine in Savannah. Ended up at Hapeville Charter in Atlanta. Um, Georgia kid, talent wise, folks in Georgia say you know he's he's got a lot of it. Um, and you know from everything I've heard, feedback wise from. You know, how he's done so far, he's done a good job. He's working and uh, getting out there. So, you know, that that's a guy, another true freshman uh, that could step in and, and make some things happen. So, you know, and it could end up being, guys, just in all honesty, that, you know, if let's say they hit on Rico, they hit on Jakari Caldwell in a big way, and Jaheim Bell is the player we think he is, these guys could end up passing your Ortre Smiths and Josh Vans of the world. Um, even Xavier Leggett, as much as I like him and like his athleticism, you know, they're not going to mess around and hesitate and play guys that can't play. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a look at the receiving core and it's, 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 it's easy to sit there and cast stones and say, well, they don't have any receivers and they don't, you know, they don't have any proven receivers outside of Shai Smith and one year from Wartray, but they got some experience. And, and I think that, uh, you know, if, if the experienced guys can happen, if, if Joyner, you know, it's, a, it's an if, 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 if with the receivers. But um, all hope is not lost. Let's put it that way. I think that, uh, you know, they, they, could, they can piece something together. Um, so that's the receiving core. And, and you know, you, you, you know, the key to this season offensively 
uh, is not necessarily, you know, can the receiving core be good? I, I do think you have to throw the ball these days in college football. Um, but I, I'm going to say this, South Carolina's chances of success, no matter who's playing well at receiver uh, in the passing game, are, is directly dependent on how well they can run the football. South Carolina's been atrocious at running the football compared to its peers, um, really the entire must-champ era. Uh, and that's a shame. I mean, I, I think that during the must-champ era, we've kind of gone through a situation where, you know, from an observer standpoint, the guys couldn't stay healthy or for whatever reason they, they couldn't get on the field. I mean, you, you've had, you know, Tyson Williams, who, you know, talk about needing another fresh start, went out to BYU and unfortunately got hurt after scoring the game-winning touchdown in Knoxville against Tennessee. Um, you know, talent-wise, he was really good, but, but he just couldn't put it together. He had confidence issues. Rico Dowdle, the whole time he was at South Carolina, never played a full season because of injury. You know, even Tavian Feaster was banged up last year down the stretch. Um, Deshaun Fenwick uh, running between the tackles was something that he kind of had to get used to. Um, and he's had two games where he's gone over 100 yards. And, you know, now Everett Sands is – I mean, I'm sorry, God. Oh, forgive me for saying that. Des Kitchings uh, is there uh, to kind of help him. And, you know, Kevin Harris got hurt last year, but he's kind of a bowling ball guy that's got some potential. Then, of course, Marshawn Lloyd uh, can be a star. And, and they really like Rashad Amos. Um, Zaquandre White could get in. We're going to know about him in nine days as to whether or not he gets into school. My guess is with the COVID-19 and the fact that the University of South Carolina just recently announced they're not going to require an ACT or SAT score for admit or for admission. Um, my guess is he'll get in and be eligible. That's just my guess. And, and I'm not sure if it's an NCAA eligibility issue or if it's a USC admissions issue. Um, but my guess is he'll get in. That directly impacts the 2021 running back board too, by the way. Uh, but they like those guys. And, and I think the offensive line uh, is going to have a rebound year. Um, and then Mike Bobo's run schemes are very good uh, comparatively. Um, they're not uh, – they, he doesn't do anything uh, fancy, you know, but he does run the football. He does have a uh, um, a desire to run it. And I think that, you know, when you're talking about – Having some lead blockers and being able to run and stuff like that, I think I think that's that's going to be helpful for the Gamecocks. And and so, no matter what the receivers do or Helensky or Hill or whoever the quarterback is, um, if Carolina can't run it, they're dead. I mean, offensively, you just you just don't you don't go very far uh, in the SEC when you can't run the ball better than they've been running it. And and that's the I know that's been a frustrating thing. Uh, for the staff, but uh, that's why Mike Bobo is now the offensive coordinator. <laughs> you know, they're going to try to get it going. So um, I don't know why Alexa uh, has come on again, but that's fine. So that's kind of a look, wide receivers, offense, that type of thing uh, as we move forward uh, towards hopefully the start of a season. I don't, I don't know uh, what's going to happen there. Uh, as as far as all that goes, but uh, you know, I I will say that internally, um, 
they're, the, the players like Joe Cox uh, at receiver. Um, and internally, there's a little more confidence in this group at receiver than, than maybe there is on the outside. Now, who knows? Uh, I know that Gamecock fans uh, are in seeing is believing mode. <laughs> and so you got to see it. And, and quite frankly, I do too. I mean, I have, I have, when you have that many guys where you go look at and it could go either way, you know, they could either do this, or they could do that. Um, as a whole, you know, that means you have a bunch of questions. And so it's logical to be concerned about that. I also think in the passing game, uh, you know, Nick Muse back looks, looks like he's going to be healthy and ready to go. That's going to be huge for him to stay healthy this year because I think Nick Muse has a lot of talent. I think he showed that in spurts last year. If somebody mentions some of his drops again, I'm going to scream. Now, he's not the only one that was dropping passes. Um, I think athletically he's really, really good. And I think he's a guy that uh, in his second year at the Power 5 level can make some things happen. And if you think Bobo and his offense, he uses the tight end quite a bit. Um, also, Adam Prentice, the transfer fullback from Colorado State, is a guy that can be kind of a glue guy. I think this will be the first time we've seen a fullback type uh, probably since Pat DeMarco, I would think. Um, they've used a fullback from time to time. Um, and, and then you can see Kevin Harris lining up there some. Uh, maybe that true freshman walk-on whose name escapes me uh, that's joining the program. So, you know, there's some there's some uh, potential fullbacks out there if they get in the pro-wide. Um, and I also think that, that they'll move Prentice around a little bit. And, you know, you look at pro the pros these days, uh, and my gut, I have not been told this, my gut is this is kind of the direction Bobo and especially Will Muschamp want to go. Uh, you look at the Chiefs and 49ers, especially the 49ers, where they're able to use versatile guys, tight ends, fullbacks, H-backs, slot guys, um, and be creative in the pass and run game. Um, and, and that's kind of – whereas RPOs with the Eagles a couple of years ago were the the Patriot killers, I guess. Um, those types of offenses that Andy Reid and, and, and Kyle Shanahan uh, have – created um, are, are actually, you know, what's in vogue now. It's kind of tr- strange how it changes. Um, you know, and I remember, too, uh, Pittsburgh uh, with um, – oh, what's his name that went to LSU? Matt, uh, Matt Canada. Uh, when they went in and beat Clemson a couple of years ago, that's kind of what they did. You know, they had a lot of motions. They used the tight ends. They threw to the backs, threw it downfield. Uh, it was hard to stop that. That Matt Canada offense at Pitt was unbelievable, and then he goes to LSU and Gold Tigers, and whatever happened happened. And two years later, Orgeron hires Joe Brady, and and they're the probably one of the most dominant teams in the history of college football. So uh, yeah, Ed Orgeron. That's um, <laughs> I listened to an interview with him the other day, and uh, and I love Ed Orgeron, and I was so happy because I'm I'm a big believer in redemption, you know, the, the good Lord provides us in life with redemption opportunities. And uh, I'm a big believer in it. And I think it's sweet whenever it happens. So many people hated on Ed Orgeron and, you know, he did lose to Troy at home at LSU. And, uh, you know, he, he kept on recruiting and, and kept on 
you know, building this program and was positive and, uh, and ends up making the right hire. I mean, he finally decided, look, we, we've, we've got to do something different on offense. And it's always been scary to me. You know, they used to talk about Chip Kelly going to LSU and I always, that was scary to me. Um, and this is when Chip Kelly was at Oregon. I don't know what the hell he's trying to do now at UCLA. I watched them and I'm like, this is, is this Chip Kelly running this football team? I, you know, it's shocking. But when he was at Oregon and they're going up and down, I was like, what if you took that offense and put it at LSU with all of their talent? And it scared me. And, and that, that's what happened last year. I mean, they, they put it all together, boy. Um, and, and we won a national championship. But but the interview with him the other day, they were talking to him, well, coach, are you going to play in spring? He's like, we don't care. We don't back down from anybody. We'll play wherever they tell us. We'll play at the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> and I love that kind of uh, kind of deal. And You know, there's a guy that went home, found redemption, uh, and won it all. And, and I know all you Gamecock fans out there are happy you won it, considering who they played in the Sugar Bowl or the championship game. So, uh, go Tigers. But um, – you know, so so you look at that, and 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 that's what LSU did. And I, I'm of the opinion, you know, if you if you didn't like the Bobo hire, and uh, be it to be honest, it's grown on me. But it wasn't my first choice um, in terms of, and nothing against Mike Bobo. I, I think he's a great guy, and he is a really good play caller. And he's, you know, I think, you know, he's the most competent, best fit that Muschamp's had in his career at OC, and. You know, I think a lot of people remember some of those Georgia games early in his, his career with Paul and plays where they didn't go very far. And then they remember the Carolina games. But you have to keep in mind, uh, if you think about – if you want to just think about the Carolina-Georgia series, 2011 it was 45-42. scored two defensive touchdowns and one on special teams. Uh, Georgia went up and down the field. Um, 2012 was ugly for the Bulldogs. They ran into a bus all that night. 2013 – if you remember this, Georgia won again in a high-scoring shootout, 41-30. 2014 was 38-35, you know, and then he was gone after that. Even going back to 09, you know, that game was 41-37. I believe Joe Cox was the quarterback for the Bulldogs that year. You know, so, so that series, which had been relatively low-scoring for a long time, you know, as Bobo evolved at Georgia, they ended up uh, they ended up being able to go up and down the field. I remember them playing LSU and Les Miles one time in Athens, and they wanted a shootout. So they, you know, nothing again. I mean, that's nothing against. And I, I've got to kind of see, you know, how the plan evolves and, and what happens this year um, to really make an, a judgment about South Carolina. Uh, but you know, when, when I was thinking about a new OC. You know, someone told me, you know, you've got to, you know, look at LSU, look at how it changed their program. And it did. It took them up a level. They went from an eight to 10 win team to the most dominant team in the history of college football. And, you know, it was told to me, you you can't be afraid to go empty on first and 10. And you can't. And so you kind of look at it from that standpoint and, you know, LSU, uh, you know, did what they had to do. Uh, and, and that was a different type of offense. I do not expect that at South Carolina. If you're looking kind of at what I expect, and this is just my opinion, it's going to be modeled 
I would call it modern pro because people say pro style and they're like, uh, three yards in a cloud of dust, a lot of under center. I, I, I think it's going to look more like kind of what the chiefs and, and 49ers kind of do, um, which is fine. Those are, those are very creative, wide open offenses that are dependent on a good play caller. And I think Mike Bobo is a good play caller. So we'll see what happens there, but you know, all that offense, um, Offensive talk, uh, you know, it's good to get into. I, I maintain in general, and we'll talk about the defense some other time, that the key to this season is going to be defense. I, I think that the, the perception out there sometimes is that the defense was this, you know, perfect juggernaut last year, and, and it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, the North Carolina game, the Tennessee game comes to mind. Um, they were not stopping Clemson at all. I thought they played – admirably and played hard they but you know Clemson sort of toyed with them they ran out of gas against A&M um but but this defense you know we talk about Israel McQuamu who made one of Phil Stills all-American teams he, he can't just rely on that Georgia game last year uh which I think a lot of people are paying attention to uh you know if he wants to be in the NFL after next season he's got to get better um J.C. Horn, I thought, quietly played a great year. Uh, you know, zero career interceptions. And, and I look, I think he could get drafted with zero career interceptions, but it'd be nice for him to get one, you know. <laughs> uh, they have issues, uh, or, or I don't want to say issues, but they have, they have some question marks at safety. You know, I think the linebackers will be good. And then I'm seriously still concerned, less than I was, but still concerned about depth on the interior of the defensive line. Uh, and pass rush. So uh, I, I think this year's team, and I mentioned the 2000 team earlier, this year's team could be like the 2000 team. And then that team, you know, they didn't light up the scoreboard. They had some games where they, they did score some points. Uh, their defense was, you know, top four in the league. Um, and, and they won eight games. And, and they, you know, obviously – they should have won nine if you want to consider the Clemson game uh, <laughs> had that one, but uh, you know, that team, you know, they, they, they were right there, you know, and they were, they were in every ball game. You know, I think that the, the worst loss they had came to uh, Florida by 20, but they were up 21 to three early. And that team is pretty good on special teams and all that. So, you know, I, I I think that's kind of the, what, what what to expect this year if things go the Gamecocks' way. They, they need to really be one of the better defenses in the league, and then offense needs to be able to run it and, and be creative and put points on the board when you need to do it. Uh, we all remember Derek Watson rushed for over a thousand yards that year. Can Marshawn Lloyd be that guy? Can they do it by committee? That's the thing. But but to me, if the defense doesn't, if the defense is just kind of the same as it was last year. Uh, South Carolina is going to really struggle. I mean, because you 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 you're not going to realistically, in my opinion, be able to get into shootouts with people um, and win. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. <laughs> but that's just kind of my take uh, on all that. So you know that that that's the deal with this season. But you know, talking receivers. Uh, was good, kind of cathartic today. It's been something that's been on my mind, just kind of digging into the personnel. Um, a prediction, I, I, you know, like I said, I think DeCarrie and Jordan is going to start. 
and make some things happen. Uh, again, the whole question with him is how much was that hamstring uh, kind of keeping him back last year? Um, and maybe not just the hamstring, maybe the fact that he kept shuttling back and forth and trying to learn two different positions and that kind of thing. So who knows what will happen there. All right. Inside the Game Guys podcast, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you for listening. Please go to the uh, Apple podcast iTunes store. Give me a rating. Uh, I'd love if it was a five-star rating. <laughs> Drop a review there. Uh, that helps get, you know, our podcast or this podcast listed higher. Um, be sure to check out all the other Gamecock podcasts, too, because like I'm saying, it's all about a continuous flow of content to serve the Gamecock market. TheBigSpur.com uh, VIP membership is awesome. You can sit there and ask me questions, Tony questions, John Whittle questions, Hale McGranahan questions, John Del Bianco questions all day long. Uh, if you want, plus our 24-7 sports experts stop by as well. Lots of great content. If you join up for a year, uh, the, the annual membership, and, and, and there's always sort of a discount you can get. You get what's called all-access VIP, uh, which means you can go on other message boards for other teams, read all their scoop, uh, which is always very fun and interesting. We have a huge North Carolina site. Uh, the Gamecocks are increasingly recruiting against the Tar Heels, a big Georgia site. Clemson site's, you know, spunky, I would say, and has good information on it. It's it's good. L- market leaders, Alabama, Auburn, uh, Florida, just about anywhere, any anybody the Gamecocks play, uh, you're going to have a great site to be able to go to and kind of scoop up uh, on the 24-7 Sports Network. Don't forget, JC and Morgan Podcast later today. Head on to the iTunes Store, Spotify. Go ahead, hit that subscribe button so you can hear uh, the latest from Mike and myself on if we will have college football this year. Uh, don't forget, JB and Goldwater streaming on YouTube uh, this afternoon uh, starting at about 1 o'clock. Uh, is my segment. It's always a lot of fun with those guys. Uh, Okay, anything else? Uh, Recruiting-wise, we didn't talk a lot about recruiting today, Um, but I do think that, you know, talking to some people around the state uh, about the 2022 class, um, I have two points to make, and then we'll be done. Number one, Clemson is going to get some in-state guys next year. Um, geographically, it makes sense. I think they'll get the kid from Malden, quite frankly. Um, and, and there are some guys that they're in on early and all that. Number two, South Carolina's position with a lot of these in-state guys is pretty good, um, all things considered. Uh, and we know things can change quickly. And so if the Gamecocks can change it up on the field and we can get over the pandemic and kids can start visiting and stuff again, I, I think that uh, – that crop of in-state players uh, is going to be, you know, pretty good for South Carolina. The other thing I I want to mention is North Carolina, whereas it's a very deep state this year, not so deep in 2022. Um, So, you know, Mac Brown, he may have to go, you know, do a little more like the Tony Grimes commitment uh, and get out of state if, you know, because it's going to, this class for UNC is going to be really good, but it, it takes more than one class. You got to, you got to sort of, um, you know, get out there and string them all together. Uh, so you know, that's just kind of a, a look down the road. We'll obviously get into a lot of twenty twenty two, all that. I mean, it's a daily podcast, and you know, all that good stuff. 
um, as we continue. All right. Thank you for listening to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Um, signing off. Talk to you tomorrow. Be sure to check me out. Uh, J.B. and Goldwater at, at uh, 1. And then early evening, we'll have a J.C. and Morgan podcast uh, right here wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll talk to you soon.